Well, good morning. Got my own security today. Hey, we're glad that you're here. We're, uh, we're wrapping up a four-week message series on the book of Elisha, the Old Testament prophet. So glad that you're here because uh, today we're going to talk about getting our spiritual edge back. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but I think a lot of people, a lot of us as followers of Jesus have lost some of that spiritual edge that we might have had. But before we dive into that today, um, I wonder how many of you, you've ever lost something. Or my wife and I have this argument, did you lose it or is it misplaced? If I can't find it, if, if, if we know we have one and I can't find it, it's lost. You can say misplaced. How many ever thought something was misplaced, lost, whatever, and you went and got another one because you couldn't find the one yet? That's lost. You might find it later when you don't need it, but you had to go buy another one. So anyway, how many, listen, you've ever, <laughs> this is crazy. My mind can get going so crazy sometimes. I don't spend that much time on the phone any more than I have to. But have you ever lost something? Like you're, you're looking for your sunglasses only to find that they're on your head? Who's done that? Yeah. Listen, I was so crazy busy one day, I'm on the cell phone talking, and I've got to go to another meeting, right? So I'm trying to get out of the house, and I'm telling my wife, where's my cell phone? And I'm on the dumb thing. <laughs> yeah. How many of you have done that? Come on, tell me I'm not the only one. Good. Whew. I was thinking maybe I was the only idiot that did that. <laughs> yeah. What I want to do today is talking about what if you lose something else? What if you lose something that's more important than your car keys or your sunglasses or even your cell phone? Some of you just like, oh, there couldn't be anything more important than my cell phone. Yes, there is. <laughs> some of us have lost some of our passion for God. Some of us, if the truth were known, have lost a passion for the heart and the things of God. We've kind of drifted and now we're focused more on our own things. Some people used to be way more passionate about God and his work and his acts of service than they are today. Some of you, listen, you had great faith. And you used to pray specifically for things and for people. And if you really looked at your life lately, maybe the only thing that really you've prayed for is kind of your own thing. For some of you, there was a time where you used to talk about your faith, every opportunity you've had. And yet for some of you, you may not even be able to remember the last time that you had a conversation like that. You had something very important spiritually, but somehow you lost it along the way. Well, if you would, take out your message outlines, because that's what we're going to look at today from the prophet Isaiah or Elisha. In week one, we talked about burning plows and killing cows. Remember that? Week two, we talked about digging ditches 
and the significance of that story. Last week, we talked about gathering jars. If you missed any of those, it would be well worth your while to go to our website or YouTube and take those in. Today, we're going to look at, honestly, what I believe is one of the coolest miracles and one of the weirdest stories in all of the Old Testament. In fact, if you were to kind of look through and survey the different miracles that Elisha performed, there were some really, really big and important miracles, right? I mean, we talked about he took a polluted lake and performed a miracle where the water was actually drinkable for the entire community. He raised a boy from the dead. That's pretty miraculous of what the prophet Elisha did. He provided a widow, right? Remember last week, he provided her through a miracle. She was about to lose her two sons into slavery, and yet he performed this miracle with these jars and filled them up with very important olive oil that was very valuable, and she was able to keep her sons and make a living because she had already lost her husband. Remember that? But this miracle that we're going to look at today, honestly, it's, it's kind of a little weird, if you will. It, 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 you might look at it on its face and say, well, I don't really get it. What's there to that? But basically, there's kind of, let's say, a seminary student, a young man, right, that's going into the ministry, and he borrows, of all things, an axe, he borrows an axe, and he's chopping wood, and something happens to the axe. And we're going to look at that story today, and Elisha, the man of God, does something crazy after that. Something that you'd say is almost unbelievable. It's a miracle because this doesn't just happen. And we're going to look at a couple of things in that story that are significant about your life and of mine, and about our spiritual edge that maybe we've lost. One thing that we need to know is that uh, in this time where this man, this young prophet is doing his thing and he's chopping wood with the axe, and we're going to find that the axe head actually flies off. We're going to look at that in a minute. And it flies off. Not only does it fly off, it flies off and it goes into the water. And God's man, Elisha, breaks off a stick, throws it into the water where the young prophet said the axe head fell, which obviously it sank to the bottom of the lake. And the Bible says that the axe head actually floated to the top. Well, you know what's interesting about that story? This is a young prophet, right? This up-and-coming young seminary student who borrowed an axe, and the axe head made of iron flew off into the water, seemingly to be lost forever. It was expensive. He had no way of replacing that because it would have been costly. It was very valuable. <laughs> he was kind of like one of those poor college students, right? Eating ramen noodles. Some of you have that story. I know you do. And then we see this man of God, Elisha, do something seemingly impossible, which shows us very clearly that God cares about the little things in our lives. That means a lot to me. I don't know if you've ever been in a place in your life when you think, oh, gee whiz, maybe even had somebody that loved you, that cared about you, maybe a parent, say, well, you know what, God's too busy to deal with little stuff like that in your life. No, he's not. If you care about it, he cares about it. So no matter what you're going through, listen, if you've got a headache, God cares. My wife gets headaches all the time. I've never had a headache. I don't know what a headache is. So you can tell which one of us is easier to live with, I guess. I, that might say something. 
but God cares. If your car won't start in the morning again, God cares. If you're, you're talking on your phone, looking for your phone, God's laughing, but he cares. I believe that. God was probably looking at me that day and laughing. Say, you dummy, you're on the phone, but that was fun. That was cool. Let's dive into our story and see some valuable principles that we can pull out. And again, let me just help you kind of understand the context as we go into this. If you remember, Elisha, Elisha was mentored by Elijah. And now we see Elisha mentoring the next generation, thus the young seminary student who borrows the axe. They were looking at Elisha like, hey, we've seen what you did. We know who your mentor is. Would you mentor us? We'd like to learn from you. We'd like for God to use us, maybe like God is using you. And so they're flocking around him, right? Let's pick up the story here in 2 Kings. It says this, the company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Time for a building campaign. Verse 2, let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place for us to meet. And he said, go. Then one of the students said, won't you please come with us, your servants? He asked Elisha. Elisha said, I will. And he went with them and they went to the Jordan and they began to cut down trees because they're going to build a bigger place. Now here comes the action. Don't miss it. As one of them were cutting down a tree, did you see him whacking at the tree, right? We're cutting these trees down. We're building the building. The axe head, it says, flew off and fell into the water. So we've got this guy going chop, 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 chop. And then all of a sudden the axe head comes off. It goes. A little late. Hey. I can only do so much. Work with me. It's the best I got. But that's what happened. The axe head's gone, flew off, done. That's what the Bible says. Oh, my Lord, he cried out. Notice the young prophet did not say a bad word. Some of you, that's what you need to hear today. But he said, oh, my Lord, it was borrowed. The man of God, Elisha, asked, where did it fall? And he went and he showed him the place. And Elisha cut a stick. Can you imagine? He's like, where did it go? And he's like, over there. Well, show me where it went. And the Bible says that this young prophet pointed over there, Elisha, that's where it is. And Elisha breaks a stick off of a tree. He throws the stick in the water about where the axe head went down is iron. Remember, it sinks to the bottom. And the Bible says, miraculously, the axe head floated to the surface. That's a miracle. (laughs) He said, pick it up. And this young prophet reached out his hand and he took it. God cares about the little details. Maybe you've heard this story for years and years and years. Maybe this is the first time you've heard it, but I don't know about you, but you know what what I thought about when I did that? It's like, okay, very cool story. Like, this would be a cool party trick if you could pull it off, right? People would say, ooh and ah, how'd you do that? I, it was a miracle. You do, you, iron doesn't float. 
But what does it all mean? How does it relate? Why would God put that here? If you're taking notes, fill this in. It's the starred point on your notes. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. That's huge. You and I have lost something spiritual maybe. We didn't plan on losing it. We just, somehow we were there and now you're here and all of a sudden you say, how did I move so far? How have I drifted? Well, the good news is God knows how to help you find what you didn't plan to lose. Now, as we talk about losing this axe head, losing the edge, what I want to do is I want to show you metaphorically what it means to lose your spiritual edge. Because I believe in our day and time as followers, many followers of Christ across this globe have lost their spiritual edge. The big question I want to ask you that's on your notes is how have you lost your spiritual edge? Now, just so you know, nothing's going to pop up on the screen to fill in those blanks. As we go through the rest of this message in the next few minutes, I want you to sincerely give some thought, some honest thought to what you've lost. How have you lost your spiritual edge? And I'm going to give you some possibilities just to get your creative juices flowing, but deep down, you're going to know the truth. I mean, for those of us that are followers of Christ, we've got to ask ourselves, have I lost my spiritual edge? And if I have, how and what and how do I know that? Some of you say, listen, my, my spiritual edge may be sharper today than it's ever been. If that's you, congratulations. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for God's kingdom. I'm happy for us. Continue to do what you're doing. But my guess is for many of us, in this room, many of us that are watching online, you look at your life and say, wow, you know what, if I'm being honest, there was a time that I was way closer to God than I am. There was a time in my life where I was way more committed to the things of God and His work than I am today. There was a time that I used my talents and my time and my resources more to serve God and to be a part of His work than I'm doing today. There was a time that I spent more consistent time in God's Word. I did it daily, and I can't remember the last time I picked up my Bible, maybe. There was a time that I was more consistent in worship than I have been in this season by far. I mean, I was there every Sunday because that was a priority, and all of of a sudden, I find myself, I've lost my spiritual edge. Huh. It's easy to lose your edge, isn't it? It happens over time. It's kind of like weight. You'd be like, how did I get here? I saw a picture. I used to look like this. Now what happened? It didn't happen overnight. It's a slow, gradual process, right? That's how you lose your spiritual edge. Most people never said, right, I'm just going to stop going to church today. It's going to be months before I go again. Or I'm, I'm gonna, from this day forward, I'm going to go in every third or fourth week. Never happens that way. It happens one week and then two and then three. The same way it happens when you don't read the Bible. I, I stopped one day and then it went to two and then I read again and then I skipped three and then I read again, right? That's how it happens. <laughs> Some of the, you, there was a time where you served on a regular basis in church, and it's been a long time. How do we do that? Now you're missing something, and you say, wow, I remember that. I remember I had more joy. I had more satisfaction. It was so cool to be a part of what God was doing and knowing that God was using little old me to impact other people's lives, and it's been a while. How did I get there over time? 
but you've lost your spiritual edge. There was a time where you loved to share your faith and you can't remember the last time you did it. There was a time where you used to invite any person that you found that didn't have a church home. You invited them to come and join you and you can't remember maybe the last person you've invited. For some of you, your standards, your moral standards even have eroded over time. Right? There was things that you just wouldn't do because that's not honoring to God. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to live this way. And pretty soon you look around and there was that one friend or that one party that you went to and you did that thing and, and all of a sudden now you look back and it's like, wow, I've come along way. Something happened. How have you lost your spiritual edge? I encourage you to jot a few things down. If, if you're worried somebody's going to look over your shoulder today, listen, that's not their deal, but go home and do it today. The reality is it can happen to every single one of us. I've had seasons where it happened to me. I found myself being a full-time pastor, but a part-time follower of Christ a couple seasons in my life. You say, what do you mean? I mean, I was reading God's Word to prepare a message, but not reading God's Word necessarily daily for my own personal relationship, and there's a big difference. I find myself praying on Sunday mornings, Right? And then one day I walked on stage and I'm like, wow, I want, how many times did I really pray this week? Right? It can happen to all of us. It happens over time. You didn't mean to lose your edge, but you lost your edge. You, until you wake up and you look back, you're like, wow, how far have I come? I didn't mean to stop praying, but I stopped praying. I didn't mean to stop serving, but I stopped serving. I didn't mean to stop inviting, but I haven't invited in a long time. I didn't mean to fall back into my old patterns before I was even a Christ follower. I used to do that stuff, and here I am again. How did I get there? One day at a time, slowly, gradually. That's how it happens. So what do you do when you're swinging away and the axe head flies off? How do you get your spiritual edge back? That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time by. And I'm going to apply symbolically two lessons about how you and I can get our spiritual edge back. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. We need to be honest about where we lost it. <laughs> we need to be honest about where we lost our spiritual edge. If we can figure out where we lost it, that's a good starting point. Look at verse 6, the man of God, Elisha, asks, where did it fall? In other words, the axe head isn't just gone, it's exactly where you left it last. <laughs> right? My wife and I have to have that discussion. Where did you last have it? That's where it is. <laughs> we'll get in this argument. She'll say, no, it's not, and I'll say, yes, it is. And she'll say, no, it's not, and I'll say, yes, it is. No, it's not, yes, it is. We basically have an argument about it. That's what I mean, right? You ever been there? <laughs> I'd ask the same question to you. Where did you lose it? Where did you last have it? We're all smart people in this room, right? Even those of you at home. Yeah. Dumb people ain't turning in. I'm just, did I really say that out loud? Anyway, and you, but seriously, you, you look and we're, we're smart. It's like, when did you take the first wrong turn? Just, just jog your memory bank. 
I made some friends. We met those people. They invited us to this place. I went there. We did this. And, and all of a sudden, I'm in a different place than I was. The importance of friends is big. My mama was smarter than I gave her credit for. She used to say, those aren't good friends. I said, mama, I don't do what they do. And she said, you're known by the company you keep. You want to know where your marriage is heading? Take a look at the people you spend the most time around as married couples. Want to know what your friends are doing? Watch and observe their friends. They're doing what they're doing, oftentimes. My mom was pretty smart. Maybe for you, you dropped a discipline. You don't know exactly when you stopped praying regularly, but you stopped praying regularly. You don't know exactly what the day was when you started coming to church more sporadically, but you did. There was a time when you read, you were reading God's word every single day. You kind of like, oh no, I missed today. Don't beat yourself up. Do it again tomorrow. But now maybe it's been months and you've drifted and you're like, oh my gosh, where did I go wrong? When did I jump off the bandwagon? How did that happen? It happens gradually. I used to be involved in a great community. I was a part of a small group. People were building into my life and I was building into theirs. And as I look back, my life and our lives were in a way better spot when we had people around us kind of holding us accountable, praying for us, encouraging us, prompting us. But it's been a while. You've lost your spiritual edge. Some of you have been a part of a thing that you thought was a secret and it hasn't really hurt anybody and you're glad nobody knows, but what I want you to know is God knows. There is no secrets with God. He didn't make any junk. He didn't make any mistakes. And God created you to be uniquely you in this season, in this time, to make an eternal difference for His kingdom. You ever sat around for days or weeks or months at a time and just said, I really haven't done or accomplished anything. Can I tell you, you're wasting time that God gave you to make an impact for him. And so am I. Maybe for some of you, you say, you know what it happened to me? It happened to me when somebody that was a Christ follower, said something to me that made me so angry. I said, if that's what Christian people are like, I'm done. I'm done with that church. I'm done with them. <laughs> Don't let another crazy person keep you away from doing what God's called you to do. Told you before, people said, do you ever thought about quitting? I'm like, yeah, about every Sunday afternoon. Because I hear the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? And I can hear a hundred positive things and hear one negative, and I'm ready to call it in, right? <laughs> Some of you have blamed God over and over and over for what somebody else did, and you said, that's why I'm not doing this anymore. Be honest about where you lost it. <laughs> I started to care more about what other people thought than my own spiritual life. cared about putting on a certain mask in front of people rather than being real, right? You been there? Be honest about where you lost it. Be honest about where you are. And here's number two, the second thing. With God's help, take back what you lost. With God's help, take back what you lost. Be honest about where you lost it. But with God's help, take back what you lost. I've got good news for you. 
God will help you restore what you've lost because our God specializes in helping you find what you didn't mean to lose. That's the God that we serve. Look at verse 6 and 7. Here we see it. When the young man showed Elijah the place, the place where the axe head flew off, Elisha got a stick, threw it there, and made the iron float. And then you know what Elisha said to the young prophet, the young up-and-comer? Lift it out. Lift it out of the water. Everybody say, lift it out. Lift it out. He said, lift it out. And what did the young man do? The Bible says the young man reached out his hand and he lifted it out. He took it out. He gained back what he had lost. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about digging ditches, that only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you and I to get our shovels and dig a ditch. Last week, what did we say? Only God, only God can do what? Only God can multiply the oil. There was only a little bit of oil, but what did he have the lady and her sons do? He told them, go out to all your neighbors and gather empty jars. And as long as they had an empty jar, he multiplied the oil that filled up all the jars until they didn't have an empty vessel left. Then the oil stopped flowing. (laughs) God often uses you and I. He can only do the miracle, but he wants us to get involved. You want to get your spiritual edge back? Then you got to reach out and pick it up. You got to figure out where did I lose it in the first place? You've got to have the determination in the heart that says, I want what I once lost, what I lost. I want that back again. (laughs) I'm here to tell somebody that with God, it's not too late to be the person that God called you to be. Some of you think, oh, gee whiz, I messed up. Like, I've, been, I've drifted too long. I've come too far. There's no way I can ever be where I was. Yes, you can, and further, because that's the God we see. That's the God that we serve. You haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much, because our God specializes in helping you find what you never intended to lose. That's good news for every single one of us in this room, every person that's listening, every person that will listen. That's good news. What does God want you to do? What's God want me to do? You see, God, through Elisha, made the axe head within reach. (laughs) But this young prophet had to reach out and pick it up. You've got to go after it when God puts it within your reach. You've got to do what only you can do when God does what only he can do. And God wants, he's going to do his part, but he wants you to have a part. You simply can't do it all, but you can do what you can do. Can you make an axe head float that's made out of iron? The answer is no. But when God brings it within reach, you can reach out and pick it up. Can you create in your own spirit, your own passion, and your own faith? No. But you know what? God says it takes a little bit of faith with some action because faith without works is dead. I've got to play a part. I've got to get active. You know what? God's not going to read his word for me tomorrow, but by golly, it's within reach because I have many Bibles at home. I can pick it up and read it. Will God meet me when I pray? Absolutely, but I've got to decide to carve out a part of my day and pray. Does God want to bless me financially? Yeah, but you know what he says? Put me first, and then I'll bless it. You do it your way, you do it your way. 
God, I want, you, me, I want you to use me to impact others. Then get involved. Serve again. Serve for the first time. Get involved. You can search for God again like you used to. Remember that? You can make him and his work, his church, a priority again. You get to decide that. God's putting it within reach. I love what Revelation 2, 4, and 5 says. I love it, but I don't love it, if you know what I mean. Jesus was speaking to a church of people, much like us. A place where some of them, many of them have lost their spiritual edge. And here's what he said. You have forsaken the love you had at first. He's talking about himself. There was a time, he said, that I was your number one priority and it showed in every area of your life. And I think what he was also saying is, don't you remember what that was like? You remember when you put me first in everything? The joy that you had, the fulfillment that you have, the sense of accomplishment that you have, the stories that you have, how I used ordinary people like you to do an extraordinary thing. You remember that? You've forsaken the love you had at first. And then he says, consider how far you've fallen. Think about where you lost it. Think how far you've drifted. Now that I've got your attention, remember where you were and now look where you're at. And he's not doing it to beat him up. And then he said, here's what you do. Repent. You know what repent means? It means I've been doing my own thing, going my own direction. And God says, hey, Scott, stop. Do you remember how it used to be? You remember how close we used to be? You remember how... I was your first priority in everything that you did. Remember, Scott, when you first gave your life to Christ, and even though they might have been a little corny, you went to the Christian bookstore over and over and over again, and you bought those crazy T-shirts. Instead of saying Coke is the real thing, it said Jesus is the real thing. And you were proud to wear that. And you couldn't wait to have a spiritual decision or a comment or a conversation with somebody that said, hey, why would you wear a shirt like that? Hey, I see you reading your Bible. Why would you do that? Repentance means, wow, I used to be there. God, I'm not there. I've drifted. And so repentance means, you got my attention. I'm doing an about face, and I'm coming back to you. I'm going to do the things I used to do. I'm going to spend my time the way I used to spend my time. I'm going to read your word like I used to read your word. I'm going to pray like I used to pray. I'm going to serve. I'm going to worship like I used to. I'm going to put you first in everything that I do. God, that's what I'm going to do. Remember how far you fall and repent and do the things you did at first. In other words, if you want what you once had, you've got to return to doing what you used to do. Does that make sense? You say, oh, I remember when I was in such great shape. What'd you do? I worked out. What'd you do? I ate better. What'd you do? I was conscientious of what I did. You want that again? Then do what you used to do. Spiritually, you want to be where you used to be, Scott? Then do what you used to do because guess what? If you really give it some thought, the reason that you've drifted so far is you quit doing what you used to do and you're doing something else instead. I don't know if you realize how rocket science, how brilliant I am to figure this out. <laughs> God helps us to get back what we didn't mean to lose. And I pray that a bunch of us in this room, we look at our own lives today and we say, wow, wow, I've come a long way. 
I didn't even plan to be where I'm at, but God, thanks for waking me up because I want what I once had. Then you got to do what you used to do. God specializes. God specializes in helping us regain what we never planned to lose. But can I tell you, we have an enemy that wants us to just keep on drifting. His whole purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy everything that matters to God. He wants to get us complacent. He wants to see us drift. He wants to do it so subtly that we don't even realize what's going on until God gives us a wake-up call and reminds us, you've lost your first love. Our God specializes in helping people find what they didn't mean to lose. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 3 through 5 as we close. God, your God will restore everything you've lost. He will have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places you are scattered. No matter how far away you end up, God, your God, will get you out of there and bring you back to the land your ancestors once possessed. It will be yours again. He'll give you a good life and make you more numerous than your ancestors. God's not done with you. You haven't drifted too far. Because we serve a God who specializes in helping people like you and like me find what we didn't mean to lose. That's how good our God is. So when the axe head flies off and God brings it within reach, you reach out your hand and pick it up. Today's your day. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray that your spirit would do a divine healing work in our hearts today. God, I just pray for every person that's listening, that's taking this in, that we don't just write it off, but we do a serious, serious inward look. And when we realize if we have drifted, that we have, that we would own it, that we would say, God, we understand. God, I understand. I have lost my first love. God, I understand I have drifted. God, I understand it's been a long time since I've read consistently, since I worshiped consistently and made you and your word and your home, your church a priority. God, you've got my attention. God, there was a time that I talked more spiritual things. There's a time, God, that I really would cry over family members and brothers and sisters that didn't know you, and I would pray for them specifically, and I would talk to them when I had an opportunity, and God, it's been a long time. God, I used to use my time and my talent, my treasures in your church to serve you, and it's been a while. I've gotten complacent. I've drifted. The accent has come off, but God, you've got me today, and I want what I once had. So God, I pray for that. I pray for everyone in this room. God, I pray that you would be honored and glorified by our decisions, by the work that we do, by what we write down on our piece of paper of where we lost it, how things used to be, and we repent. We do an about face. As we continue praying today, no one looking around, if you're here today and you say, wow, you know what? I don't know I've ever been in that place. If you've never known the joy the unspeakable joy that knows based on God's word that all of your sins have been forgiven by Christ. 
If you don't know for certain that you've been adopted into God's family, we're all creations of God, but you have to make a decision to follow him to become a child of God. And when you, by faith, invite him in as your Savior and Lord, can I tell you what God does? He forgives you of all of your sins. He, the Bible says he casts your sins as far as the east is from the west. He adopts you into his family. He gives you credit for his perfection because he was the only one who's ever lived an entire life sin-free. And he was crucified because of it. He died, and on the third day, he defeated death. And the Bible says when you put your faith in him, the only one who is perfect, he'll take up residence in you, and no matter when you pass, God won't see you and what you've done. He will see his perfect son living in you. That's how you get to heaven. The Bible says, Jesus with his own words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one goes to heaven except through me. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, if you've never repented, turned from your sins, admitted that you are, asked Jesus to save you, you're not ready to die. And if you're not ready to die, you're not ready to live. If that's you today, wherever you're listening from, make this your prayer. Say, God, I don't understand it all, but I know this. I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner. And God, I believe that you are the Savior that you came, you lived, and you died sin-free to pay for my sins. You were buried in a borrowed tomb after you died, and three days later, you defeated death. Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. I turn to you as my only hope, my greatest hope. And from this day forward, I belong to you. I will follow you. I will make you the number one priority, which only makes sense because I've just received you as Savior and Lord. Use me, I pray, God, from this day forward. I give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.